Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. I am so glad that uh, we can start this new series called Becoming the One. And I really think that we're going to have a great, great series. And the talk that we're going to begin with is, is coming in a strange place in the scriptures. It's actually going to start in a place called Hosea. And Hosea was a prophet who was given a very hard mission, according to him, in what he needed to do. And we're going to take a look at this passage as today we are going to talk about the one for me. And this is an important topic for us because I think that all of us in one way or another think about this, struggle with this, are trying to make a choice about this, or maybe even rethinking our choice about who we may be with. And as a result, there are some things that we need to look at. And I believe that God provides wisdom in all areas of our life. And this is one of them as well. And I want us to take an open mind and an open heart approach to what we're about to hear together and and see what it is that God is speaking to us about in particular. And so today, as we begin in Hosea chapter 1, we're just going to read two verses. And the reason why these two verses are a strange place uh, to begin with in a relationship series is because it's not a good relationship. It's not a healthy relationship. It's not a choice that either one of them would have made. It's, it's kind of circumstances and God pushing them and directing them to go in each other's direction. It's a commandment that actually comes from God to Hosea about who he needs to choose. And the reasons for it are not for love. It's not even something that can be described as an arranged marriage by the parents. But it's all about illustrating how God is trying to make a point about how his people are unfaithful to him. How they don't know how to live uprightly before him. And so he wants to make Hosea, a living, breathing example of what his relationship looks like with his own people, Israel. And so the story begins in Hosea chapter 1, and then in verses 2 and 3 are the ones that we're going to look at in particular. And it says that when the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he then said to him, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. Now, it wasn't just any prostitute, it was a temple prostitute, which meant that her purpose was to have acts of sexuality and fertility before a god or gods in this particular temple. And so she was someone of a different faith and someone of a different religion, someone of a different idolatry than what Hosea was used to. So God asks him to go and to find someone who was completely different than himself in every way. 
And God wants to drive home this point. And then he says, so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution, which tells us that right from the start, Hosea is not going to know if he's the father. He's not going to know if the person that he has married is able to give him the guarantee that these are his children because of what she continues to do at the temple by running away from Hosea and the marriage relationship in which they were called into making a covenant to one another. And this illustrates how Israel has acted, God says, like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and then worshiping other gods. And so Hosea goes and he marries Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, and she became pregnant and she gave Hosea a son. Now, isn't this a great story for a relationship series? It's exactly where you would have started, right? But you know this is a different kind of church, right? And you know when you come here, you're going to hear a different kind of story and message and examples from the scripture, things that people don't like to talk about. And so what's interesting about this story is that for us, if we're single, married, separated, want a divorce, happy or unhappy with children, if we're looking for love in the wrong places and we're looking for love with the wrong people, we can relate with all of this. It makes sense because the story of when you're someone like Hosea, or if you're someone like Gomer, you may identify with one or the other more. But here's the truth. They're both sinners. No one of them is good enough. And we will automatically look at, Ho at, uh, at I was going to say Homer, I'm just adding names to the story. <laughs> I just combined <laughs> Hosea and Gomer <laughs> <laughs> and gave them a celebrity name, Homer. Uh, but basically, these two characters, neither one of them is good enough for each other, and neither one of them is, is right in the eyes of God. If Hosea was better, he wouldn't tell Hosea to marry someone like Gomer, and if Gomer was any better, then she wouldn't want to be with someone like Hosea either. And so the, the truth of the story is this, is that you are also an imperfect, broken person. You are also someone who falls short, who the, the scriptures describe as someone who's a sinner that is going to date. Make commitments that you are not going to follow up on and maybe marry someone by being imperfect or marrying someone who's just as imperfect, broken, and sinful as you are, or possibly worse. And that's the truth. You see, no one in the story marries Jesus, who's the only perfect person. You only marry someone or be in a relationship with someone who's imperfect. And so if we're going out there looking for Jesus, we're doing the right thing. But you can't marry him. You can't be in a relationship with Jesus that way. You can't 
find everything in an imperfect, broken, sinful person. You just can't. And so we ask this question, and we ask this question all the time. And I hear it all the time. How do I know that they are the one for me? How do I know that they are the one for me? And here's the problem with this question. It's the wrong question. In fact, if you ask this question, you need to stop asking this question. Because what this question does is that it puts you at the center of the process. And you are not supposed to be at the center of the process. God is. Jesus is at the center of the process. And if you are single or somewhere in between, if you're married or rethinking that, you need to understand that what happens when you are at the center of the process, this is what you keep doing. When you ask the question, is this person the one for me? This is what you do. You say, this is a person who is no longer meeting my needs. This is a person who no longer fits my personality. This is a person who isn't satisfying my desires. See, you put yourself at the center of the relationship, and then you say, this person has to meet my needs. This person has to fit my personality, and they must satisfy all my desires. Because if they don't, then they can't be the one for me. Anybody here a window shopper? Yeah, like you just walk through things, just walk through places and just take a look and just see. Don't actually buy anything. Sometimes you do keep the tags on and return them. Ever do that? <laughs> Sometimes that's what we do. We just kind of like just don't want to commit, right? So we're kind of always like window shopping. Uh, any, anyone here a big fan of, of like all-you-can-eat buffets? I know I am. It's part of my problem. <laughs> One of them anyways, <laughs> if I can be honest. And uh, I went on vacation with my brother not long ago, just taking some time off. He had gone through some, some things and took him away. We went to Florida. We just wanted to spend time with each other. And we spent a lot of time in buffets instead. And, uh, and while we were there, I just remembered my visits with my uh, health nutritionist. And I had you know, paid good money to get good advice on, on what not to do. And, 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 I, and as I found myself, you know, at this buffet, I found myself just, um, you know, fulfilling the science of pigging out. <laughs> I, had, I had perfected this years before, and I had stepped away from it. But now that I was in Florida, and it's, it's really hard when you pass a golden corral and you don't stop. It's, there's, there's this impulse to to just do that. Not the best food in the world, but it's like, you know, it's like cheap and there's lots of it. And, and the thing about it is that I found myself that I was actually sitting at a table because 
getting into a booth would mean it would be a lot harder to get out. I, I realized that, that, that even while I was eating and I'm eating with another person, instead of facing my brother, I chose to face the buffet instead. It was more important for me to see the food than to see my own flesh and blood. And I realized that I began to serve myself without even serving the, and surveying the entire buffet. I, I didn't care what was there. I just saw what was in front of me, and I began to fill my plate. I picked the largest plate I could, not a small one. I made sure that I fit as much as I could on top of it. I used a fork instead of chopsticks. I made sure that my napkin was not on my lap, but it was tucked into my shirt. I was giving all the signs that I was not going to leave any food on my plate. And I was chewing as fast as I could instead of taking my time so my brain could never tell my body that it was full. You see, when we do these things, we don't realize, but when we are window shopping, we are consuming. When we are at a buffet, we are consuming. We are not living our life thinking intentionally and with precision. We are not living a life of discipline, but one that is led by the passions of our desires. And when we allow ourselves to be led that way, here's what happens. In these scenarios, we are all unexamined, unquestioned, and we are unassailable. Because when you never stop to consider who you are, then all you ever do is consider who the person is not. The problem isn't that there are too many places to shop at or that there are too many buffets. It is my life in those spaces and how I am living in those spaces and interacting with those spaces that tells me that there is something wrong, not with what I'm seeing or even what I am doing, but who I am instead. I want you to understand that our unexamined expectations for a future spouse are going to be twisted by our own sinful nature. I cannot trust what I want. I cannot trust what I need. And what we've done in our culture, especially since the 60s and 70s, is that we have a dating culture in which we feel that we are going to get to know what we want and what we need by dating as many people as possible. And so we have entered into a buffet mentality thinking that that is how it's going to satisfy us. That is how it's going to instruct us. That is how it is going to inform us. That is how it's going to fulfill us. Because when we've done that enough times, we're eventually going to find that which is perfect for us. The problem with this is that we are just consumers and in that, perspective, there is going to be no woman or man who will ever meet up to our twisted standards. 
because our standards in and of themselves are only based on something that comes from ourself. And because it comes from ourself and it doesn't come from anywhere else that is higher than our own uninformed, limited opinions of what we truly need, then we are going to keep making terrible mistakes. And so my question then becomes to all of you, if it's the wrong question to ask, is this the right person for me, then what is the right question to ask? And I'm going to say, let's start with a different question. Ask yourself, am I the type of person someone wants to marry or stay married to? Am I the type of person that is good enough for what that other person needs? Am I becoming that person? Am I working on doing everything to become that person? Or am I just expecting that person to become everything that they need to become for me? You see, if, if we don't ask this question and if we don't live now in the direction of what this question brings to each of us, then you're going to see yourself making mistake after mistake after mistake because what you want to do is you want to remove yourself from the center of the process and you want to put your character at the center of the process instead. What you want to do is you want to say this, I want to spend less time evaluating others around me and I want to spend more time developing the character of Jesus within me. I want to stop pointing out what it is that this person doesn't bring to the table. And I want to be what that person needs when we come to the table. Ask yourself, what sort of qualities should I be looking for? When you think about the qualities that you want in another person, then what you are doing in essence is saying, these qualities are so important for me to find in someone else that these are the ones that I'm actually working on myself. That these are the ones that I've prioritized in my own life. These are the things that I've put before other things because I believe that these are the things that are going to not only make me the best person another person needs, but it's just going to make me the best person possible. I want to be the person that another person needs by being the person I always wanted to become. The person who's fulfilled without another person. The, the person who lives and fulfills their mandate and purpose in this life by working on themselves to such a degree that when other people see us, they're just drawn to us. And they want to be with us. And they want the characteristics that we are displaying because we have stopped putting ourselves at the center and we have put Jesus there instead. You see, when we do these things, we begin to understand what are those qualities. And, you know, in a lot of places in the scriptures, and I'm going to put some up on the screen here, 
if you're not sure where to start or where to spend time or where to look or where to check, there's a lot of places that tell us what it looks like to have the things that God wants us to have so we can become the one. Like those characteristics that are so important that we sometimes neglect. And the powerful thing about the scriptures is that it, it, it describes things in a manner that we all get. And some of these things, they end up getting repeated, you know, like the characteristics that are found in, in, in 1 Titus uh, and, 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 and then in 1 Timothy. They're, they're kind of the same, but they're said in a different way. And they sometimes shine a different light on the same topic, but they kind of express it in a different way for us to understand what it looks like for us to live for God and to be a person who reflects God in their everyday. And so I just want to read some of it. It says, you know, don't get involved in foolish and ignorant arguments that only starts fights. Doesn't that always happen in relationships? And so... I would say, I don't want to be the person who talks foolishly. I don't want to be the person who starts arguments. I want to be the person who ends them. Not by walking out, but by not starting them in the first place, by bringing us to a place of reason, of discussion, of, of honesty and authenticity and sincerity. A place where we can open up our minds and our hearts and reveal what it is that we are really going through. And even if we can't articulate it, well, here's the thing. We're not going to articulate it with a temper. We're going to do it with kindness and goodness and love. We're going to do it in patience. And, and when we begin to realize that the scriptures are just full of this kind of advice, it, it then says, like, when you interact... With, with others, I want you to oppose those who oppose the truth. And so there's going to be moments when we're, we're not going to be honest. We're not going to be truthful in our relationships. We're not going to want to go there. And you know what? Your instincts about that person lying are generally 100% right. If you think they're not telling you everything, it's because they're not. You are not that dumb. The only thing you can't do is make them talk. You can't get them to open up and tell you the truth. You can't get them to always say what's on their mind and in their heart because maybe the space just isn't truthful enough to receive it and maybe it's just not safe enough to give it. Because a little more information can sometimes be the determining factor for a person stays or goes, and so we choose a place of untruth instead of speaking the truth. Because we'd rather hold on to the relationship of a lie than get to a place where it's healthy and truth is being revealed. And so we live out the lie. And we live the burden of the lie, and we live this out every day because we would rather hold on to the lie than experience the truth that can truly transform the relationship. And God is wanting to transform us so that whatever relationship we get into or whatever relationship we're already in can also be transformed. Sometimes we're not going to have the participation that we need and we desire 
But that is where we pray for the person that we are with. That is where we let God do a work and reach places of a life and a heart and a mind that we cannot reach. That is where you believe that God is more powerful. That if something is hidden, you ask God to reveal it. That if something is sinful, you ask God to heal it. That if something is broken, you ask God to restore it. That if something is missing, you ask God to find it. You see, you don't just point out what is wrong, but you pray with the person to get to a place where you now are revealing the characteristics of what Jesus does with us. Thank God Jesus does not kick us out of our relationship. Thank God that he doesn't give up on us when we say the wrong thing, have done the wrong thing, have thought the wrong thing, and have lived out the wrong thing. Thank God that he keeps taking us back and restoring us and leading us to a healthier place. I know we need people to change around us. I know we need them to be better for us. I'm not saying accept the crap the way it is, but you also need to have that person's commitment that you are going to go and face this with the Lord together. And sometimes you just don't have that. And I've seen what happens when, when that's the case. It's really hard to go forward when you're not on the same page, when you're not committed to the same God, when you're not living right together. But is there a place where you can start so that that can become the new pattern in your life? Is there something that you can do together that that person is willing to do? Maybe it's just go to church together. Maybe it's just pray together. Maybe it's bless a meal together. Maybe it's have a spiritual conversation about doubts and, and what we're skeptical about. Maybe it's about being honest about our brokenness and, and asking that person for the help that we need. And so the Bible is encouraging us, ask the right questions and then become someone who fits the description of a godly man and woman. Become the person that God wants you to become, regardless of the other person. This is not about what the other person is or isn't. It's about you. Are you becoming the person that God wants you to be? And here's what happens. When you become the person that God wants you to be, when you display those characteristics, it transforms the lives of those around you. It affects them. It impacts them. It has more influence than you realize. Why? Because it's the very presence of God. God says that when you have someone who's an unbeliever in your own family, in your own household, that when you pray for them, that through your character, you can actually lead a person back to God. Now, if you don't believe in that promise, it's okay. Don't believe in it. That's your choice. But the promise is there. And God says that if you focus on my relationship with you, if you focus on a relationship with God, if you focus on having the godly character that I need you to have, that is what is going to lead that person back to me. If you believe that, it'll happen. Because God has promised it but you got to act on it. And so what all these characteristics are describing, the ones that we saw earlier, 
the ones that talk about what it looks like to be a godly person. Like those verses in Proverbs 31, in 1 Peter 3, in Ephesians 5, and verse 22 and 23. When you read through these lists, and, and, and I want you to read through them. That's why I put them there. I want you to look and see what it says. Do you know that at the end of 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, it talks, it talks to the men, and you know what it says? It says that if you don't treat the woman in your life right, God will not hear your prayers. That if you don't treat the person that you're in a relationship with correctly, your prayers are blocked. That's, that's unbelievable to me. Because the way I look at it is that my, my prayers are never blocked. I, I can pretty much go through this entire life, do whatever I want, say whatever I want, without pretty much any consequences, because God is a loving God and he will always take me back no matter what. But do you want God to just take you back, or do you want God to transform you and help you to become everything that he has purposed and destined you to be? Do you want to just experience grace or do you want to live his favor on your life? Do you want him to just be merciful and compassionate and give you his forgiveness whenever you ask for it? Or do you want to see blessing after blessing and it overflow to the point where it overshadows any of the bad and the loss and anything in the past that has been taken from you, that the abundance that God has for you today is more and greater than anything you could have ever imagined. See, God is saying, I don't want you to just have this. I want you to have this. And what he calls it in John 10.10 10 is the abundant life. That's what he is describing. And so stop searching for the one. And let's make a commitment to become the one instead. Can I hear an amen? amen? Stop searching for the one. And let's start becoming the one. In whatever situation that we're in, that is what we are called to do. God will help us with the next steps. God will show us what we need to do next. He's not going to just tell you to work on yourself and become something better and more. And I know what that may sound like for many of us, that we're already not feeling like we're good enough. We're feeling the brokenness of, of, of past relationships and all the things and the faults that people have found in us and have described to us and the reasons why they've given to us uh, for the reason why they can't be with us. And we, we can take all of that in. We can listen to it. But I'm telling you that if you, if you listen to that more than to the description of what it looks like to become the one in this book, then you will never get that abundant blessing that God is wanting to give you. You will never become the one by listening to someone else's criticism of you. You'll become the one by following the standard that God has set out in the scriptures for all of us. You become the one not by listening to people 
that helps. It can shine a light on things that we need to pay attention to, but we become the one by following God's word. And God's descriptions are the best ones for us. And when we live those out, we are going to experience the fullness of his blessing in ways that we never imagined. It is not going to just help us in our relationships. It's going to help us in our businesses, with our finances. It's going to help us with our decision-making. It's going to help us with our parenting. It's going to help us in our service. It's going to help us in our understanding of the world around us. It's going to help us when we deal with tragedy, just like when we deal with victory. It's going to help us with all those things that we need everyday wisdom for. It doesn't just deal with relationships, but it spills out and over all the areas of our life where we need it. And every situation that we are facing, God is going to give us insight in how to handle it because of the character that we have developed. I know many of us are struggling in the relationships that we're in. We're struggling with the person we are and the person we're not. We can be struggling in the context of what we're facing. Maybe struggling with an addiction or struggling with a brokenness that has had a hold on us. I want you to know that instead of praying for the brokenness to be gone and for the person to be removed or for yourself to just find just joy and, and possibly better in some other field, I want you to start focusing on the character that God wants to give you instead. And when God works in you, he will make you more loving, more understanding. He will give you the fullness of his Holy Spirit in a measure and in a manner that helps you to have what you could never have on your own for the moment in which you need it most. It is so beautiful to see what those characteristics are. And how God believes that that's possible in all of us. There isn't anything that he describes in his scriptures that he doesn't for one second believe that we can achieve. It's there because he believes that we can. And now it's up to us if we will. And so together, let's stop searching for the one and let's become the one instead. Thank you so much. God bless you guys. God, I want to thank you that we can just become the one, the way that you are the one. That in your image, we can understand who we were always meant to be and that we don't have to look at the fragmented, broken pieces of ourselves and think that this is somehow the best it's going to get. And you can help us work on the very things that we need to focus on to see just change and transformation in our lives and in our relationships. I, I want to pray for everyone here that is just saddened by not being able to find the one for them. I want to pray for those who are reconsidering whether they are with the one. I want to pray for everyone who finds themselves somewhere in between in their circumstances, in their situation, no longer believing and trusting you, God, for what it is that they need in their life. I, I pray that Today would be a day in which we better understand what it looks like to become the one. That we can take the steps to stop asking the wrong questions, but start asking the right ones instead. I pray that you would make us all godly men and women in this place. And that we would experience the fullness of what can be lived out when you put your hand of 
grace and mercy and favor on each of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening and God bless you immensely.